Welcome to another episode of Pursuit of a Healthier You, brought to you by your hosts, me, Rachel Koltoff. And me, Jeff Koltoff. Today we'll be talking about our personal health journey, our personal medical issues if we have any, and how getting healthy has drastically improved our lives. And at the end of each episode, stay tuned because we will have a delicious recipe for you. Hey everybody, welcome back. We are back from a little uh, hiatus that we took and uh, a lot has happened since we last recorded a episode. And um, I guess to go into it in further detail, we'll hear best from Jeff. Okay. How you doing? Now I'm doing fine. Uh, for a while there, I wasn't doing so well. How were you doing? <laughs> <laughs> well, we sat down to do a, an episode of the podcast and I wasn't feeling good. I know. And uh, I had some sharp back pain, and then I started to pass some blood in my urine. So at your insistence, uh, I went to the emergency room. Yeah, like four hours later. Men, they're so stubborn. Yes, we are. <laughs> it's part of the DNA. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we were thinking that it was probably just a very severe UTI or maybe a, a kidney stone, something like that. And so they ran all those kind of tests, and they all came back negative. And they uh, decided to do a CT scan. And what they discovered on the scan was that I had a mass on my kidney. Oh, oh my. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, I, I can, I'm going to be a little blunt here, a little, a little uh, language that I normally wouldn't use on, on the podcast. But, you know, my thought was when the doctor walked in and said, there's a mass on your kidney and you have cancer. My internal monologue was, fuck, you just didn't say that to me. <laughs> okay, I'm going to fight this and I'm going to win. Damn straight. And uh, so then after that, I spoke to the doctor a little bit more and they offered to uh, admit me to the hospital. But this was also the very beginning of April, which was right in the middle of the height of the uh, COVID-19 uh, lockdowns and, and, and admissions to hospitals, so I was very reluctant to stay. I will be too. And uh, Did you have to wear a mask? Yes. Ah. And actually, you, you couldn't be with me the whole time. Oh, no, I couldn't. I was waiting outside in the car. So, so I was by myself. And, waiting my nails. <laughs> and um, so I, they discharged me because, first of all, I, w I wanted to get a doctor of my choice. So, uh, okay. And th this was a Sunday night. And so Monday morning, I called my, uh, my general practitioner, who I've been seeing for, I guess, 25, almost 30 years now. Yeah. Uh, who, who I trust implicitly. Is, I, I knew he wouldn't steer, steer me in, in the wrong direction. And uh, so, uh, so I called him, said, uh, I don't know if you know, saw or not that I was in the ER last night. He says, yeah, I saw. I said, okay, doc, so, so you know what's going on. If this was you... Who would you go see? A million dollar question right there. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, that's the most important, you know, if you just say, can you give me a referral? You know, you know that they, they, they'll give you anybody, you know, sometimes. Uh, but if you ask them, who would they go see? And you trust your, your physician, uh, you, you kind of put a little more credence into their uh, recommendation. Yeah. Uh, so... Uh, so he gave me the name and the phone number of a, uh, of a urologist oncologist. And uh, this was Monday morning, 
I was in his office the following Friday uh, for a uh, consultation. And uh, yeah, I was on by phone. Yeah, again, because of COVID, Rachel yeah. couldn't be with me. So, uh, so she was on by phone. And uh, in between getting the recommendation and actually meeting uh, Dr. Chandar, uh, Rachel and I sat here and did a lot of research on, on the kidney cancers and uh, wrote down three almost four pages of questions. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so when I met with, uh, with, with the oncologist and uh, he was very patient with me and we went through each and every question. Oh yeah. And uh, because of the type of cancer it was, uh, I, it was actually not on the kidney itself. It was actually in the uterine, which is the tube that runs between the kidney and the bladder. And uh, the cell structure in the, in the uterine is similar to the cell structure in the bladder. So he felt as though maybe chemotherapy prior to surgery to remove the kidney would be advisable. So we had a telemed visit with an oncologist, Dr. Patel. And, uh, you know, our our thoughts prior to that telemed visit was that uh, maybe we'll do the surgery first, get the cancer out, and then do chemo. Yeah. It's, it's, it seemed like a... Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah, it seemed like it made sense. Well, at least to us it did. And uh, when talking to Dr. Patel, she said, well, both kidneys are still functioning. It would be better to do the chemo up front. This way, your body can dispose of the chemicals uh, that were that we'd be putting into your body quicker and more efficiently so and then there was two avenues of treatment one was a 12-week course of chemo which was two weeks on one week off it was yeah it would have been over 12 weeks god wow (laughs) the the other course was a six-week course where it was one week on one week off but the but the chemo was a lot stronger. Ah. So you had to pick your poison? Literally. It was pretty much pick your poison, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's an accurate description. Sorry. <laughs> and uh, so so didn't take us much thought about it, and we elected to go with six weeks of, uh, of, uh, of treatments. And that started uh, beginning of May. Yeah. And uh, the first treatment wasn't too bad. Getting the treatments wasn't, too horrific. No? No. Okay. Are you comfy? Because prior to doing the treatments, I had what was called a port put into my chest. Uh, so basically, it's a little device that then taps into your jugular vein in your neck, and it's easier access as opposed to getting stuck in the arm for IVs every time you go for a chemo treatment. Ah, okay. And uh, so they would just take their IV and enter it into the port and and then hit me up with uh, a couple liters of fluid as well as the uh, chemo uh, chemicals and then send me along my way. It was basically, what, about a four-hour process? Yeah. And uh, after each treatment, you know, I was a little run down. I was a little tired, a little ragged. Uh, but as the three treatments progressed, the third one really knocked me for a loop. Appetite was really depressed. Mm. Uh, yeah, I was scared. Tired. I knew you'd be tired, but... And, uh, so I had my last treatment on June 9th, 
And then it was a matter of rebuilding my strength and uh, an endurance to prepare for surgery. Okay. So did you have surgery yet? Uh, I had surgery on July 27th. It was a very long surgery. I was in the operating room for five, almost six hours. I think longer than that. But who's counting? <laughs> well, you got to remember, it was probably a little bit of time after our surgery ended that that the doctor came up and, and spoke to you. So then I spent three days in the hospital, and uh, I've been home since. Yay. <laughs> and slowly but surely, my, uh, my, my stamina has been increasing. I'm not quite up to where I was pre-surgery. And, uh, you know, I still have a little bit of pain from the incision points and from okay. where the kidney was removed. But that's dissipating over time. It's just a matter now of time of healing and building my strength back. Okay, did you get all the cancer out? Yes. Oh, good. yes. Awesome. Yeah. Two weeks after surgery, after I was released from the hospital, uh, had a phone call with, uh, with the surgeon. And uh, he said that, uh, you know, in addition to taking the kidney and, and the uterol, they also removed several lymph nodes as well as a portion of my bladder. Mm. And uh, the pathology reports showed no signs of cancer except where they expected to find it in the tumor. Okay. Oh, good. So I guess now you have to go for checkups and stuff? For the next year or two, it's going to be a matter of a, a CT scan with contrast, mm -hmm. as well as a urogram, which is a uh, video scope of my bladder, Ooh. to make sure that there's no uh, change in the, in the lining of the bladder. That sounds painful. Um, I'll let you know after the first one, which is in a couple months. Okay. <laughs> I'm not looking forward to it, that's for sure. Oh, who is? Who would be? <laughs> Kenny, I don't even want to know. <laughs> I'll be honest. <laughs> the less I know, the better. <laughs> they knock you out for this stuff? I don't know. Probably oh. not. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, uh, there's going to be a couple conversations between the doctor and I, or at least his staff, uh, prior to the, uh, to the first urogram. Just a couple? At least one major one. <laughs> <laughs> What, give me drugs or die? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Okay. <laughs> Alrighty. <laughs> so that's been my uh, my adventure, and this whole process happened rather quickly. It was 132 days from diagnose from initial diagnosis on to uh, the diagnosis that I was cancer free. That's a long 132 days. Yeah. I can't believe it's been 132 days. It doesn't feel like it feels like a lifetime. Yes, it did. Yeah. But I told you I keep, you know, you'd have an exciting life. This was not even close to being on the radar. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Believe me, I know. I didn't mean for that much excitement to happen. I really didn't. <laughs> and, uh, you know, one of the things that just about every doctor who I spoke to, you know, w would be looking through my medical history and they would see the uh, significant weight loss that I had experienced over the, la over the prior six, seven months from uh, the time that they had seen me. Mm. And uh, you know, they were all starting, you, you could see that look of panic and, and fear in their face. You know? <laughs> you know, here's a cancer patient, they've lost 80 pounds approximately, and they didn't realize anything was wrong. 
<laughs> so so I would look at him and say, no, this was intentional. This was all a process that I started prior to becoming aware of the cancer. Okay. And, uh, and I was able to share uh, some details about the program with them. And everyone, I can't think of one that didn't say anything different, was that because you've lost all that weight and, and you've gotten yourself into a much healthier position, you're in a much better position to, to fight this cancer and, and rebound from the surgery. Okay. I think it's true. Does nobody have anything bad to say about the program? No. Good. Well, not that there is anything bad to say about the program. No. <laughs> and the other thing, you know, that the program brought to me, which I really had no inkling that it would is that my mindset and my emotional well-being was a lot more positive a lot more upbeat you know i, I live my life out loud on facebook and on social media in general mm. and uh, people would say you know you're you're such an inspiration for what you're going through and to me i'm just living my life this is me you know yeah <laughs> you know I think somebody even said to Rachel, is, you know, is Jeff just full of crap or, or is this really true? Yeah, you're full of it anyway. <laughs> well. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, you know, you're not full of crap. It's what the program does for you. It puts you in a healthier state of mind. I mean, it's, it's not all about losing weight. It's all about repairing your mind. Your mind, your body. Your soul. And... Uh, and also, you know, the community support, you know, both within the program and just in general, you know, by being forward enough to live this process out loud and and, and talk about it. Yeah. You, you, know, you know, I was getting uh, phone calls from, from friends. I was getting text messages. I was getting direct messages on social media, you know, from friends from from elementary school who I haven't spoken to in 20 years. <laughs> you know, you know kid, kids who I grew up with in the neighborhood. Yeah. And it's that kind of support, you know, that really helps you get through these uh, these dark times. Yeah, it does. I guess you learn who your, friend, who your real friends are yeah. through dark times. Yes, you do. Yeah. I remember reading somewhere, I forget the exact quote, but, you know, you know, friends come, come and go, but the true ones stay through the dark. Darn straight. So that's kind of been... What's been happening with me over the, since we uh, last recorded? That's it. That's it. Yeah. You, you know. Just a little cancer, that's all. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, so I think we'll wrap up this segment of, uh, of this episode and uh, stay tuned. We'll have a uh, good, healthy, delicious recipe for you in just a moment. Yep. Today's recipe is guacamole chicken with cauliflower rice stuffed peppers. You'll need 13.65 ounces of raw chicken breast. This should yield about 9 ounces cooked. A half a cup of 2% reduced fat Mexican cheese. One cup of raw cauliflower rice. Four tablespoons of tomato salsa. Two cups of or 10.5 ounces of red bell peppers, two tablespoons of plain Greek yogurt, non-fat, and three ounces of avocado. To make the recipe, you need to combine the chicken breast salsa in the crock pot. Set on low for six hours. When it's done, you shred the chicken and set it aside. 
Mix the cauliflower rice into the, into the chicken mixture. Next, preheat your oven to 350 degrees. Cut the tops off the peppers and discard. Cut the peppers in half from top to bottom. Remove the seeds and the membrane in the peppers. Place the peppers cut side up in a baking dish. Divide the chicken mixture evenly into the sliced peppers and top with your cheese, evenly divided. You bake it for about 20 to 25 minutes or until the cheese has melted. Finish with the avocado and Greek yogurt and enjoy. This will provide you with one serving of a leaner protein, three greens, one healthy fat, and three condiments. Roughly two pepper halves is one serving. I hope you enjoyed today's recipe. I know it's one of our favorites, and we will talk to you soon. Thanks. Have a great day.